Be sure to tune in to Tamina Talks Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much more. On her radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration law or our notable immigrants themselves. Check out Tamina Talks Immigration Tuesdays at 10 a.m. on Daisy 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you. Good morning, Seattle. This is Tamina Watson on Tamina Talks Immigration on Daisy 1250 a.m. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is uh, Tuesday, June 6th, 10 o'clock in the morning. We are live on air at Daisy 1250 a.m. If you are near a radio, you can tune in at 1250 a.m. on the dial. You can go to www.daisy1250am.com. You can download the app on the App Store for Daisy 1250 a.m. And, of course, we are live on Facebook. Hello, everybody. This is my wonderful guest. Um, This is Dr. Joe Castleberry, and he's going to talk about his wonderful book. This is called The New Pilgrims, and it's a book about faith and immigration. So I cannot wait to dive into it with you. But before we uh, talk with him about some fascinating issues, I wanted to say, um, you know, remind you that we have a Facebook page. It took 18 months to get a Facebook page. I just dove into this radio show without really thinking about it. But the Facebook page is fantastic. It's interactive. You'll get a lot of news and updates on what's happening on the show. You can ask us questions. And of course, uh, we now have the ability to do live uh, Facebook broadcasting while we're on air. So um, please tell your friends and family and everyone everybody else who might want to be um, listening to the show right now and a reminder that we have about 10,000 likes on the show already which is fantastic and they're global um, people from around the world which is which is really really flattering and I'm so grateful people are tuning in. If you have questions or comments, the number at the studio is 844-301-1250, 844-301-1250. Before I talk uh, with our wonderful guest here, I wanted to just say... um, Big condolences to my home country, hometown of London, where uh, the the country's going through some turmoil, but the people are resistant, um, resisting, and we have a fantastic group of leaders in the country who are dealing with uh, all the issues, but, um, you know, friends and family in London, I'm thinking of you, and a huge thank you to the London mayor, and of course, to the mayors in America who have stepped up and said thank you to him as well, considering all the rhetoric that's going on. So, um, and do let us know if you are listeners in London, you know, tune into the Facebook page and just let us know that you're okay. And if you have questions, comments, you're always welcome to, to let us know. So those of you who have just tuned in, this is Tamina Talks Immigration on this E1250 AM. We do have a fantastic guest here, Dr. Castleberry. Um, before I start speaking with him, I just want to introduce our listeners to him. So Dr. Castleberry is president of Northwest University in Kirkland, Washington. In addition to President Castleberry's scholarly work, he is the author of several popular books and a frequent speaker at conferences and churches around the world. His latest book, The New Pilgrims, How Immigrants Are Renewing America's Faith and Values, addresses one of America's most pressing social and political issues. As an advocate for immigration reform, he has appeared on approximately 100 talk shows and television programs around the 
the United States, including the Michael Medved Show, the Jim Bohannon Show, The Blaze, CBN, TBN, God TV, and the Fox News Channel. President Castleberry is a graduate of Evangel University Princeton Theological Seminary and Columbia University, where he completed a Doctor of Education degree in International Educational Development. He began his professional career as a chaplain at Princeton University and for 20 years served as a church planter, college professor, and community development leader in Latin America. He frequently comments in the media on topics such as immigration, politics, religion, higher education, and racial relations, and has been featured in over 150 media interviews on Fox News Channel, on One America News Network, TBN, The Jim Bohannon Show, Michael Medved, uh, Bill Martinez, and much, much more. Married to his wife Kathleen since 1983, Dr. Castleberry's family includes three daughters, two son-in-laws, and a grandson. He enjoys golf, running marathons, visiting America's national parks with his wife, and watching Northwest University sports. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure to me. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, I am so grateful that we were able to get on your calendar because never has your topic been more important. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, you know, I wanted to show the list as your book one more time if you are interested in immigration religion and the background of all the things about America and the foundation of America actually um, this book is something that you must read it's called the new pilgrims how immigrants are renewing America's faith and values um, you know listening to uh, to your to your background and reading about you you've traveled a lot and worked in different countries how did immigration come into your to, into the framework well, I have had the privilege uh, of visiting a lot of places in the world, 42 countries, and living now in four different countries. Um, but I would say more than my experience overseas, it's my experience in America that, has w that made me sensitive to uh, immigration issues. Uh, I grew up in Alabama oh. during the Civil Rights Movement, oh, and goodness. frankly, on the wrong side of the issue. Uh, my, my family was a typical white Southern family that... Uh, um, shamefully thought we were superior to black people. And, uh, of course, the civil rights movement put an end to that uh, <laughs> illusion <laughs> for many of us. Uh, but how interesting it is to wash it from you're almost the, the center point of everything that was happening. Oh, absolutely. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. came to my town three times in 1965. I was five years old, and I was very aware of it. Um, I, we really saw him as the enemy. He, he was the end of our way of life. And uh, now I would say he was a prophet of God sent to help us and uh, uh, thank God for his influence on our country and uh, the opportunity to change. Uh, and so uh, having grown up in a town that was 50% African-American and 50% white, I was used to being around people who were different than me. Mm -hmm. uh, I then moved to New Jersey after living in Alabama uh, until I was 23. I moved to New Jersey and uh, it was immigrants everywhere. Right. And I instantly loved them. Uh, just uh, really appreciated the cultural differences around me and the, uh, especially friendships with Italian Americans in New Jersey. It was, it was uh, just extremely rich. Um, after I ca came back from 20 years of working in Latin America, I, I began spending a lot of time with uh, Latino populations in the United States. It was the only place to get to continue speaking Spanish. Right. right. And uh, became very sensitive and aware of uh, the situation of immigrants in the United States. Began to study the issue. What year would you say that was? Uh, 2002. Okay. Yeah. And um, began to study the issue. Uh, 
and then found myself elected president at Northwest University. And so I thought that <laughs> I thought that would be the end of my uh, immigration research, and uh, but it wasn't. And I wrote the book a couple of years ago, and uh, it's uh, it's 200 in- media interviews now since the book came out. Wow! So I'm thinking about immigration all the time. Of course, you know I actually this book was published in 2015. I feel it's more relevant today than it was even in 2015. Um, I mean, it was relevant then, of course, but it's even more important today um, because you're reminding people of, of the foundation of America. And I, I sort of like, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I sort of <laughs> did some like the highlighting of things. And you start the book about basically the foundation of how America was created. And you quote a lot of people, so I've learned a lot from your book. And you talk about, um, uh, you know, G.K. Chesterton, and you start the book saying, you know, um, America uh, took a religious approach to democracy and justice and is the only nation in the world that's founded on a creed. Yes, uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, and in that he quoted the Scottish uh, rationalist philosopher John uh, Locke uh, saying um, that all people are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That uh, is not only a statement about uh, the rights of citizens, but it's a, it's a religious statement. It's a statement about who God is and how God has created us. Uh, and so that is the beginning of the American creed. It's, the, it's sort of the cornerstone of what Americans believe. And until recently, <laughs> every American has believed exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 some 12% of Americans right now are, are atheists and they don't believe that God created us and, uh, or that we have endowed uh, rights that way. They see the rights in, in Descartes, uh, not Descartes, but uh, excuse me, um, Rousseau's terms of uh, coming from the social contract, not from, uh, from creation. But still overwhelmingly Americans believe that human rights uh, come to us on the basis of our humanity and on the basis of God's image in us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think given what you've just said, you know, right this moment in history, and I don't know what it was like in Alabama at that time, it might have felt the same in many ways, but um, values are being challenged in so many, so many different ways. And you see them through the executive order of, on immigration. Um, and there were three particular um, uh, executive orders that touch on humanitarian issues from a very draconian sort of like we don't ha- we don't really care about you. So the three executive orders that we have seen are the ones about undocumented people. We're gonna we're going to uh, deport people who have no status and who are criminals and so forth. And in practice, it's a almost everybody could be deported. Um, and, and you talk a lot about the undocumented immigrants in the, in the U.S. I do want to touch on the travel ban and the wall later, but I wanted to get your view on the on the undocumented immigration population in the country. You you say that they are important not only for the economy but also for the growth, the continuation of faith. So tell us a little bit about your views on that. Uh, yeah, the, the undocumented immigrants, just like everyone else, when they come to America, they've got to survive, and that means they've got to work, and that means they become productive and be, and contribute to our economic uh, well-being in the country, but. Um, immigrants more than most people are very keen, uh, very aware of how much they need help, how much they need God's help. And immigrants tend to be very devout religiously. Uh, uh, in Christianity in America, the great big center of revival is among immigrants. 
uh, anyone who had visited an immigrant church in the United States would see a place of of intense religious uh, devotion, mm-hmm. uh, a, a place where prayers are offered uh, fervently mm-hmm. because people have very obvious needs and mm-hmm. they need God's help. And they mm-hmm. have tremendous testimonies of how God brought them here, mm-hmm. how God sustained them along the way, how God has uh, opened doors for them, uh, provided employment, uh, healed them from sickness, uh, and the stories go on and on and on. And so um, that sort of uh, direct uh, uh, connection with God that comes out of a sense of real need uh, does revive America's spiritual foundations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you talk specifically about the economy for how these people are contributing to the economy as well. Uh, and I'll, I've got specific talks uh, questions on the economy itself in a minute. But on the travel ban, do you have what? What are your views on the travel ban? Well, the, as you said a minute ago, the travel ban was a draconian solution to a real problem. I mean, there is a problem going on. We, we have a terrorism problem in the world, and we, we need to take steps to uh, combat that more effectively. Uh, but to, um, to ban all travel from uh, countries, let's, let's just take Syria and Iraq. Uh, in Syria and Iraq, you've got people who are fleeing for their lives uh, away from terrorists. Um, and, and, and many of those people are Christians and Yazidis who are victims of genocide. And the United States is has officially recognized that there's been a genocide against uh, Syriac Christians and, and Yazidis uh, on the part of ISIS. Um, why would you penalize those people? Wouldn't you want to help them? Uh, in the same way, a, a Muslim who's running away from ISIS is not likely to be a terrorist. <laughs> they're running away from terrorists. Right. Uh, and, and the truth is that our vetting system for refugees is very rigorous. It takes a year and a half to two years. People who've been through that um, that process are very unlikely to um, engage in terrorist acts here in the United States. Um, up until recently, we could say that no refugees had been convicted of uh, terrorist acts. And in the last year, there actually have been uh, maybe three or four that have been involved. But that's out of 750,000 people uh, over the last, uh, since, night, uh, since uh, 2001. Right. So it's very statistically unlikely that refugees mm-hmm. are going to be involved mm-hmm. in terrorist activity. So it didn't need to be that um, mm-hmm. bold. Mm-hmm. What really put that order in trouble is um, Trump's earlier comments about Muslims. Um, Barack Obama did something almost exactly the, the same. For six months, virtually no refugees came to the country from Iraq back in 2011. Oh. Uh, Barack Obama shut it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he didn't say he was shutting it down. He said it was slowing it down. Mm. <laughs> um, and there were a few exceptions, very few made. So the way Barack Obama did it, he did it without the, the harsh rhetoric against Muslims, and he did it uh, in, a, in a less showy and demonstrative mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a case where, where President Trump's uh, love for drama uh, <laughs> undermined his uh, authority as president. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, we did have somebody uh, talk earlier in a, an episode uh, about refugees and the compelling circumstances that refugees are fleeing are essentially humanitarian reasons for having them in. Uh, but they have no choice. They're fleeing yeah. for their lives. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the faith community is very concerned about the current climate on immigration. And I know a lot of people who are taking steps uh, preemptively 
um, and of course, you know, in reaction to some of the things that are happening, to help their congregation. You know, the the people in the congregation are their friends and families and community members, and uh, the faith community stepping up. What can you tell us about that? Well, absolutely, there are many Christian agencies that are especially involved in resettling refugees in the United States. So. Um, so many of that, much of that, uh, uh, World Relief is one of the larger players in that. Uh, but uh, there's just thousands and thousands of refugees being resettled uh, by faith com- by the faith mm-hmm, community, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Christianity and Islam are both uh, missionary religions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we we like to convert people to our faith, <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you straight out, Christians want to serve Muslims. They want to show love to Muslims uh, largely because they want them to become Christians. <laughs> uh, but they also want them to, to, to live uh, good human lives and they mm-hmm. want them to be have good well-being. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, it's not just, hey, if you'll convert, we'll help you. It's we'll help you. And by the way, this is what we believe about God. Right, right. So. What I'm seeing in the, in, in the U.S. domestically um, is that the faith community is stepping up to help our communities and a lot of people are taking shelter mm-hmm. in churches and you know um, essentially getting protection from the faith community. Do you have anything to say about that domestically? Well um, I think churches walk a really difficult line. Um, yeah. the, the maintenance and preservation of the rule of law in America is crucial to our future. The reason immigrants come to the United States is we have a context here in which the law rules. And uh, if we lose that, immigrants won't keep coming here. Well, of course, yes. Um, And so it's very important that we handle immigration in a way that is legal and that respects the law. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a lawyer, you you wouldn't want to do something illegal. Of course, of course. To help an immigrant. Um, But uh, you want to you want to be you want to ensure that people have justice. So it's a very very difficult position. most churches that are involved with immigrants are not doing the sort of sanctuary churches where illegal immigrants can come and hide out from the law. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really a movement of the early, uh, in late 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, mid, mid-1980s, um, early 1980s. <laughs> right. It's not so much the reality now. But we are trying to find a way within the law to, to help people who are here. And, of course, it isn't just churches, uh, you know, long-standing American churches. It's immigrant churches who yeah. come here, and, and, and not just churches, but mosques and temples and others as well, mm-hmm. that, have, uh, that, that create uh, communities of reception for immigrants where people, some, they speak your language, mm-hmm. they know your customs, they mm-hmm. serve your food, mm-hmm. uh, and they care about you because you're, you're countrymen or, or you're from a similar place. Right. And uh, those, those communities provide... Um, love, mm-hmm. and that's something the government can't do. Right. Um, the only only people can love, and uh, religious communities do a phenomenal job of creating uh, places of welcome where immigrants can get their feet on the ground and get started. Yes. Whether they've come here illegally or or mm-hmm. not, I mm-hmm. mean, most most uh, religious. Uh, communities are not uh, I mean look we understand we're not the border patrol it's not our job to call border patrol it's our job to minister to the people who are in front of us right I love that the minister the people in front of us um, you if you just tuned in uh, this is Tamina Talks Immigration with Dr. Castlebury who's the author of the New Pilgrims and he's also the president of Northwest University um, in your in your book uh, you talk about low skill jobs as well as high skill jobs and 
a lot of American people are not taking the jobs that need to be done. And would, so immigrants are really fulfilling these positions so that the co economy can keep moving. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you talked about in the book. Well, yes. Um, it, first of all, we should understand that the, the immigration phenomenon that we're seeing right now is historic in America. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. When you come here, you've got nothing. If you're going to make it, you've got to work. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you'll take whatever work is available. And you don't mind working hard because you worked hard in your previous country to maybe to scramble to make a living. Uh, so you're willing to take any job that's available. Uh, Americans who have a stake here, um, who have families around them, who uh, maybe they own homes, uh, they, they're settled, maybe they have a college degree. Uh, they're not going to go and pick cherries in Washington. They're not going to go pick apples. Uh, they're not going to go and work with their hands. Uh, they, they've grown accustomed to working with their, with their minds. And uh, they're not going to go do those jobs. And uh, we have a, an extremely well-educated society. Uh, and uh, people just aren't accustomed to working in the fields and working in dangerous jobs. And so um, immigrants are happy to take those jobs and we need them for them. L you know, last year here in Washington, we actually had crops rotting on the ground mm -hmm. uh, because we didn't have enough immigrant labor to pick them and couldn't uh, attract, even though the wages went, went up considerably, mm -hmm. we couldn't attract uh, native born Americans to do those jobs. So it's a crucial piece of our economy. Um, let's be honest. There is also such a thing as immigrants uh, taking jobs that Americans would like to have because they're willing to work for less. That is a reality. Let's face it straight up. Construction industry, for example, there are a lot of immigrants working in construction industry. A lot of Americans would like to have those jobs. So the folks, the, those native-born people here who complain about immigrants taking their jobs, it's not a, it's not a fiction. There, are, there is reality behind that. Um, and the, it's the government's position to regulate the economy so that, the, so that there's protection. And there's nothing wrong with protecting uh, the jobs of native-born Americans. But we can do that while also providing sufficient number of worker visas for immigrants to come to take the jobs we need. We're just not doing this in an intelligent fashion mm -hmm. because of partisan gridlock in the Congress. You know, I think we agree on that. And our immigration laws are set in 1950, 1960s. And, you know, the, the world has changed so many times over that the law hasn't really kept up with it. Um, well, not only that, but uh, there are... Um, <laughs> we've been making a good living off these immigrants. <laughs> um, it, for example, we've got, it, we got about 12 million people paying Social Security taxes into false accounts. Mm. That's helping to shore up the Social Security system. And, you know, there's a sense in which fixing that takes money out of the government's pocket. Totally. That's, so there that's are all kinds of vested interests. I mean, there are a lot of folks that, that are making making good money off illegal immigration and they're not in any hurry to change mm. the system. Interesting. I mean, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is a very important point. And uh, the Social Security system is really alive because of the funds that are being put into. And these people can't really take it out because they, they don't, never you know. will be able to take it out yeah. because it's paid under false names. Yeah. Well, you know, Dr. Castlebury, I could actually talk to you all day. You know, I think it's fascinating and you have uh, so much insight into um, what the, the, the historic nature of immigration to current date. Um, so thank you so much for being here. We are running out of time, <laughs> but I would love for you to come back on the show sometime in the future. It went by um, really fast. Yeah, it went by <laughs> really fast. Uh, you know, it's, and I was looking at it thinking, well, we've got one minute left. <laughs> well, Dr. Castleberry, thank you so much for being here. Listeners, this was Dr. Castleberry who wrote the book, The New Pilgrims. 
and he talks about uh, immigration and and faith and the values of America. So uh, thank you so much for being here. And listeners, uh, we are running out of time. It has been a fascinating show today, and um, you could you can listen to the show again if your friends and family have missed it. You'll be able to tune in Friday at 8 p.m. on this 12:50 a.m. and the show will be put onto our SoundCloud uh, profile uh, soon thereafter. Um, listeners, we will be here bright and early next Tuesday morning. If you have questions and comments, any help you need, you can email at info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. You can also contact me at contact at this12.50am.com. And the website, just in case you need it, is www.watsonimmigrationlaw.com. We will have a wonderful guest next week as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Castleberry. Thank you. Bye-bye.